Hey, everybody, you're listening to NC Shop Talk, brought to you by NC Carpet Binding. I'm your host, Mal Mayer. If you want to learn from some of the most innovative people in the industry and laugh a ton, then this show is for you. So let's get started. Welcome back to the NC Shop Talk podcast, episode 25. We couldn't go on too much longer without having this legend on the show with us. He's been doing custom hot rod interiors for almost 50 years, and really not just doing them, but completing them with excellence, style, and class. Sid Shavers really needs no introduction. Like we said, 50, almost 50 years, he's the first mainstream trimmer that you think about. And really two generations have looked up to both his generation and now this one. We've spoken on the phone a few times, and I can tell you that I'm excited to see what his answers are going to be and what his insights are going to be, because we really don't know each other that well. I know that he's a huge helper. He helps people. He's someone that everyone calls on, and he's also revered by an entire industry. Now, he's probably done a thousand interviews, so you may have heard most of the answers. I'm going to try to be a little bit different and dig a little deeper on how this legend was created and how he stayed on top all these years. So. Without further ado here, Sid, welcome to the show. Thank you, Maul. Thank you very much. That was a very nice introduction. Thank you. It probably doesn't live up to you, but I had to give some, you know, <laughs> had to try a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm glad you're with us. And, you know, being honest, guys, we've only spoken a few times. And, you know, I'm excited to see what Sid has to say because I have not heard a negative word about him. And it's all glowing and positive on how helpful he is and great a guy he is and always willing to help. Anyway, let's jump into this thing. It's going to be a little bit different, you know, with Sid. And, uh, you know, I hope, you ever, hope everyone likes it. Here's how I gauge not only excellence, but also, also mainstream appeal. When someone's name is constantly brought up, suggested time and time again, that's when you know you've made it. When the masses all suggest you, want to be like you, emulate your work and speak glowingly and kindly of you, it's just, it. you've made it, you know, you've made it to, to where you're not just another guy. Um, and beyond that, it's really lets you know that you've made a difference far beyond just the interiors you've created. All that acclaim, Sid, and the way people feel about you and tell everyone how they feel about you. How does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel wonderful. I'm, I'm very pleased and you know, it's kind of what I tried to do all along was try to do the best I could do, help everybody along the way. I mean, I, that's a wonderful introduction, Maul. I couldn't, couldn't thank you enough. That's wonderful. That's the first thing that comes to mind with you. I'm glad you're, you know, happy with that. And that's the first thing I wanted to bring up because it's repeated time and time and time again. And it's, it's nice to hear because you know, there's guys out there that are, you know, first class and, you know, from what everyone says, um, a bunch of the guys when they heard I was recording you tonight or were just excited. You know, I got five or six quick messages on Instagram earlier. I could even check it again while we're on here to see what they people wanted um, to ask you. Let's rewind a little bit. Let's go to the beginning. I'm guessing our audience wants to know what makes you tick and how you were essentially created. Yeah. And I, well, I my- want to know, I mean, where did you <laughs> start? How did you grow up? Get us from like the ground up. Yeah, my my father and uncle had a little company called Chavers Brothers, 
where they manufactured motorcycle seat covers and sissy bar back pads. Now we're talking back in the 60s. So this stuff was just literally wasn't the the stuff you see today that's being manufactured with all the screen printing on it and diamond stitching. These were seat covers that sold retail for $7.95. Wow. Black vinyl motorcycle seat covers. So I grew up around commercial sewing machines. They made sissy bar back pads, so they had plywood and foam and bandsaw and whatnot. And I've always kind of been a mechanical guy. So I grew up around this stuff, and I worked for them, uh, you know, stapling things together and cutting foam and whatnot. And uh, in high school, somebody asked me if I could upholster their car seats, and I was like, I don't know. Let's give it a try. So that's kind of how it all started. I never – and then when I – after school, after high school, I went and uh, did four years in the U.S. Navy. And then when I got out of the Navy, I went back, worked for my – dad and uncle for a short time and then decided to open an upholstery shop so i i had never worked in in an upholstery shop so i'm basically like a lot of guys i think self-taught self-taught yeah first of all myself. first and foremost thank you for your service we know we're big supporters of our military you know from when i was raised until until now and i'm raising my kids um, yeah, the last thing yeah the last thing we say before we go to bed is a prayer for our military families uh, not just the guys serving for their protection, but also the families that they have at home that are waiting for them that, you know, that they're blessed and taken care of and, you know, get everything that they need. That's our last thing we say before we go to bed every night. Oh, that's uh, wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Now your parents and you, where did they raise you? Um, I was raised was, in, go ahead. I was, yeah, I was raised in Northern California. Okay. Uh, Sunnyvale to be exact is where I grew up. Went to Sunnyvale High School and graduated there. And then, like I said, went in the service. And I lived in Sunnyvale up until a, a, just about a year ago when I moved to Southern California. Moved to Carlsbad, California. Then moved the shop down here. So, All right. Well, your parents, obviously, you gave us a little bit of the rundown on the shop and how you got interest in you know doing uh, upholstery. But tell us about your parents a little bit, how they influenced you, what was important to them raising you as you were you know, I was, a, as a kid, like what, what developed you? You know, I'm not that old, uh, but back then fam family, as it is today too, family's real important. We had a, uh, real tight knit family. I had two older sisters and my father was kind of guided me business wise and work ethic and all that. He was a, he always worked a couple of jobs so that we could have a boat or we could go on vacation and that stuff. So he was a, shade tree mechanic. So I kind of do a little mechanical work. I was his, uh, his boy, so to speak. So I was the guy that cleaned all the backing plates when we did brake jobs and ground all the heads when we did overhauls. And so, you know, I was taught a pretty good work ethic early on from my parents. They okay. both worked real hard to support us three kids. And we gotcha. Had, now, are you a parent? I am. We have, we, um, I've been married for 42 years and we have a 37 year old daughter. Okay. Just the one child. Now, as a parent, did you see yourself raising your kid just similarly to the way your parents raised you? Did you do a lot of different things, a lot of the same? Did you mix it? Yeah, very similar, I would I would say. I was maybe not quite as 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 hard on her as they maybe were on me, but I yeah. think that's generational. I think that's all. But she's turned out great, you know, wonderful kid. I wouldn't expect anything less. That's for sure. <laughs> now, as a kid, even coming up, 
were you a perfectionist then, same as you are now? Yeah, I guess so. I didn't really realize it at the time, but looking back now, I was. Yeah, I was. And I've always, you know, all through school, everything I wanted to take through, you know, uh, middle school and, and high school was mechanical drawing, art classes, metal shop, wood shop. I mean, that, you know, that was me. I was in history class looking out the window and thinking about what I can build when I, when I get out of class. That's awesome. You, know, and you always, wanted to get better. Yeah. I've always wanted whatever, to make all those classes, whatever you could do to get better. You wanted to do it. I say my hands, my hands are my, you know, I work with my hands daily. Yeah. And your brain too, because it ain't, that and ain't my brain. Yeah. <laughs> none of that creativity is coming just through your hands. Right. Yep. Right. Yeah. After all the years of being on top, is there any one thing or a couple of things that drove you to be the best and, you know, you know, remain right at the top of the mountain? Is there anything out there that was like a driving force? And you talked about your parents, anything else? No, I think, you know, I've just always had a desire to be the, you know, my, my dad really instilled that in me. It, he said it many, many times growing up. If anything's worth doing, it's worth doing right. If you're not going to do it right, don't do it. So it, that was, he really instilled a good work ethic in me and, and desire to do, do things correct and right. Yeah. And I've just always had a desire to do, be the best you can be. And I still say it to, my customers today we're you know like you said it's been almost it's actually been 47 years to be exact but it, i still try to make the next car a little better than the last car yeah you know I learn something from every job we do so this just popped in my head but you're kind of um i don't know if you're a baseball you a baseball guy at all yep my okay. daughter played fast pitch softball i coached her for many many years okay perfect so you're probably going to know this um Towards the end of Joe DiMaggio's career, I think it was a reporter who once asked him or a friend or someone, and it leaked. And they said, you know, at this age, why are you playing so hard, running so hard, going so hard at it? And his response was simple. He said, there might be someone out there watching who's never seen me play before. And, you know, I think a little bit of that is ego. A lot of that is I want people to still think I'm the best. If they never saw me, I don't want them to say someone else is. So... I mean, this is kind of Joe DiMaggio-esque as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you have nothing left to prove, but yeah, you still want to get better. I, I I agree with you. I mean, I kind of, you know, say that quietly to myself. I don't necessarily have anything else left to prove, but I still feel I do, if that makes yeah, sense. Of course. I, you know, I want to I want to keep going. Always keep pressing. Better. I'm someone who's always pressing, too. I don't have talents like you guys all do. I just don't. I'm not mechanical. But I'm always pressing, trying to make, you know, business better and trying to do things easier and, you know, figure out a way to generate revenue where there is none. Those kind of things, I just want to. Like that want to's inside. I always wanted to work. I worked since I was, you know, 14. And what I'm excited about, my kids already. My son had just turned 10 and my daughter is 12. And they're both like, when can we start working? When can we start working? I never asked them to work. But I think if you're doing your job right as a parent, your kids are going to want to do stuff right and they're going to yep. want to do it well. So um, I'm kind of glad the way you answered these questions, because it was kind of what I expected, you know, as far as your parents being a driving force, yes. you know, behind you. Yeah. I lost my mom early. She died when I was 22. Oh, wow. We just started making a adult relationship, but she was the same way. Wonderful lady. Yeah. Driven, you know, always wanted to do things right. And just, yep. so, yeah, I was fortunate to have, 
good, good parents that taught me well. Yeah, I had good balance, and and I've talked about in the on the prior episodes. I don't want to bore people to death, but um, I mean, just it's so important, and it's yep. it's it's fading fast. If you saw yep. some of the way a lot of these kids are being raised that we see every day, it's it's fading fast. Let's put it that way. Um, Unfortunately, yeah, yep. parents have themselves first, and a lot of times, it's just I I have to hold back so many times from saying something, but. Again, let's not get into it and get myself in trouble here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, let's dive into the cars because we nailed all these questions. and I don't want to bore everybody with repeating ourselves. So let's change gears a little bit. You've heard the podcast before. You know I like lists and naming who's on my Mount Rushmore or your Mount Rushmore. Do you have a Mount Rushmore of favorite cars? Not cars you've done, just your favorite cars. If you had four of your favorite cars that you wanted to own or have owned, you know, whether it's a a Regal or a Chevelle or whatever. What is your four favorite cars of all time? Well, I'm a, um, a 356 Porsche guy. I started out, I started out in the business doing 356s. When I first started years ago, we started restoring 356 interiors. And I thought at one point we'd done every 356 Porsche ever made. We'd done so many of them. <laughs> wow. So I've, I've had a little Porsche 356 all along and I, I still have one now. So I, that's a favorite car and I have one. Okay. And I'm fortunate to have number two of my favorite cars. I have a little 32 Ford Roadster. Okay. So those are, you know, my, my two favorite cars right there. And if I could keep adding to that, I'd probably have a custom of some sort, some sort of sled, some sort of 40 chop Merc or yes. something like that. That's, that's, that's in mind. <laughs> Go ahead. And then I've been a bike guy all along. I've had a bunch of old rigid pan heads and stuff that I rode over the years. So probably one of them would probably would the be a bike. thing would, would be a bike. All right. If you're out on the road and you had one choice, your favorite car, your favorite bike, what are you taking out? Um, probably the, well, <laughs> at this point in my life, my Ford pickup, but <laughs> more comfortable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Heated seats, air conditioning, you know, you get old and, and tired and whatever. But anyway, the 32 Ford, we take 32 the 32 Ford, Ford gotcha. roadster all the way. I've been cross country in that a couple of times and we drive the cars. We enjoy right. While it. we're on the subject, have you listened to any of our episodes? I have. Okay. I, to be honest, today I kind of brought up a couple because I was going to do this, and I'm like, "Boy, I better, I better figure out what I'm in for." <laughs> <laughs> I put you on. The, I'm not going to put you on the spot. Off. I had to put you on the spot there. Um, you know, there's been a ton of good ones. There really have. We've had some great. Well, I'm going to go back now. To be honest with you, and and, and listen to them. I I just haven't had it. I think you'd. I happened. think you'd really enjoy it. Your names come yeah. up more than I don't know. God knows how many times, but um. It's funny you say that because the one I clicked on, I listened to to uh, Shannon and, uh-huh. he, and he mentioned the of course. The I think he's mentioned you in both. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. everybody. Now I'm, I'm drawing a blank, but they all revere you. You know, top top to bottom. It's it's crazy. Uh-huh. Um, really is just an enormous feather in your cap. I like a hundred feathers in your cap. It's it's, it's incredible. But uh, yeah, I think I think you'd enjoy them. I mean, it's about something you love, and yeah. you know, hearing guys, you know spill their guts on what's important to them and what makes them tick is, you know, good stuff. I, I, I like it. You know, that's, it's, it is kind of fun. I love listening after we're done too, because there's things that I'll miss because I'm trying to focus on little notes I have here and I turn into a question, right. but um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think the industry's really embraced it. So yeah, I'm good. I'm only down to one a month. I just can't do them anymore. I, I no, it's a lot of work. 
it, yeah. it is it's a lot of work it's a lot of time and yeah forget money money's money uh, it's not a money maker obviously but uh you know for a while they're doing two a month we were running you know running top 10 top 25 we finished as high as i think six or seven i can't remember now i've confused myself and even beat the tesla podcast once so wow. i know what we can do with it but it's just it's too much yeah I have to do it every week to compete with the big boys and you know increase the guests the volume of guests and it's just it would just it's too crazy um yeah. and I, I try to keep it pg too which yeah. non-pg ones tend to uh take off a little bit more but I, I, that's not my way yeah. um here's something that i'd always heard of and i've never seen them and i'm you know i wouldn't if i watch it a thousand times i couldn't make hay or, or do anything with my hands but your sid shavers instructional videos are literally like bible material for most trimmers to know that you've had this enormous hand in shaping so many professionals it just must feel incredible i don't know if you saw it coming didn't see it coming but as far as a response to it after all these years i mean what do you think about that well it, i'll be 100 honest to, to, to start with, it was a, we thought of it as a, um, um, a money making, you know, let's make some videos, see if we can sell these and make a couple bucks. Yeah. Well, guess what? It's turned into way more than that. The m money almost doesn't matter. And you talk to a lot of people, I've just donated them or sent them or, you know what I mean? I almost don't, it almost doesn't matter anymore. The money Yeah. it was, it's, it's all about getting the information out and helping guys. When we first brought them out there was a few guys that actually called me and said you know hey what are you doing you're you're sharing the you know your secrets and you're helping our competitors and i'm like no you don't get it they're not all our competitors we're all in the same business there's plenty for everybody let's yeah. bring the whole program up let's let's all get better elevate you know? everybody yeah yeah elevate the whole because as we all know years ago this you know the the upholstery guys were kind of the bottom of the barrel guys you know yeah they were the last on the list to get the cars done. The upholstery guy was the last guy you went to and you went there and told him you, you know, you spent more money than you're supposed to. And now you got to help me out. And so we were always the last guys to, to get asked to do the job and beat up on the price. And I'm like, Hey, let's just bring the whole deal up. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, if you listen I, to Tracy's podcast, he talks about it extensively and I've been screaming about it since I started getting close with a lot of these guys and said, you guys get screwed. You should be charging more. And you should make it wholesale throughout the industry. They'll charge whatever the hell they want for a mo for motor work, and you're going to pay it. Should be the same thing for interior. Pay that's the, the same biggest, way. You that's know? the biggest thing I tell guys. I, I hear them all the time. They tell me because a lot of guys will call me, and I enjoy. And I'm, you know, maybe opening my up myself up for a lot of calls, but I'm happy to talk to anybody and share with whatever knowledge they want to know that I have and I can help them with. But one of the things that a lot of guys call me and ask me about is. is money how do you get paid how do you get the ch how can you get that and they they start off right defeated they telling me you know hey you need to ch i tell them you need to charge so much an hour and get paid for it and they go i can't get that well you've defeated yourself right from the start you just told yourself i can't get that amount of money you don't know because you haven't asked for it so that's the worst thing i had a uh, a comment steve mole i don't know if a lot of guys will know who Steve Mole is, real famous coach builder in the Bay Area, builds hot rods and whatever. Okay. I was talking to him one afternoon, and I, I was struggling with the same thing. I'm all about price. And he said, well, you got a couple of choices, Sid. 
you can go, boy, that Sid Shaver sure did a nice job. Too too bad he's not in business anymore. Too bad he couldn't couldn't make it. Yeah. Or or shit, you, Sid Shaver sure does a nice job. Little little expensive, might be a little pricey, but boy, he sure does a nice nice job. So and they're still in business. And he's still in business. So <laughs> <laughs> he could afford it, you know, uh, something for himself. Yeah. I don't know how much time we have here, and I don't want to waste a bunch of your time, but I'll tell you another quick little story okay. I tell the guys all the time. You and, and nothing against a guy that works at a BMW dealership. Please don't. <laughs> I don't want to bother those guys. But your wife drives a new BMW, and it needs a tune-up. You take it to the BMW dealer, and his labor rates, <laughs> the dealerships, there's $225 an hour or whatever their labor is at the dealership. And we as craftsmen are struggling to get a hundred or a hundred and a quarter for our time. And again, nothing against those guys at the dealership, but these guys doing what we're doing, you got more talent in your pinky than those guys got in their whole body. You're yeah, they're not creating anything. You, they're just fixing what's there. Yeah, you're a craftsman. And so it's, you know, you just got to look at yourself and, and value what you do because there's not many people that can do what we do. A hundred percent. And there's another thing. And going back to what you said earlier, because I want to protect you on this. Don't everyone pick up the, the phone and start calling him with nonsense. Um, <laughs> if you're stuck on something and you've tried something and failed and you're going to call someone for help, great. But try first, yeah. then call. Two reasons. One, don't drive somebody crazy Yeah, to teach you something you don't have the, the drive to do on your own. But right. you learn that way. You learn the wrong way. You're going to start learning the right way real quick if you're going to keep going. And um you know, that's when you lean on someone like, you know, Sid or, you know, these guys have jobs and lives too. And, you know, taking a yeah. thousand calls a day is, is, is not fun. I know how many messages I get a day for help, advice, different things. And you guys get a, a thousand times more than I could ever get. I could only imagine. Um, yeah. I just, I just love sharing and helping. I mean, I just love I do teaching too. and yeah, yeah, I do too. I don't like it when someone takes advantage um, yeah. and I'll do anything you know, sure to give them, you know, my life savings, time, help, advice, even when it doesn't benefit be, benefit us business-wise, I, I couldn't care less. I talk myself out of machines all the time. I just did it last week at the uh, aircraft show. Um, someone wanted to buy machines from Falcon Jet, and we haven't heard from them in years. And I said to her, I said, well, do you have anyone yet? She goes, well, we haven't been sewing, so we kind of been outsourcing it. We want to buy machines. I said, okay, great. You could buy the machines when you hire someone to do it. Well, I'm kind of new. I said, well, I said, okay, you're new. So you're going to learn a quick lesson. Get the people in place first. Then you buy the tools, buy the kit, whatever you want. It's easy to buy stuff, but you can't manufacture talent. And if you don't have someone that can do the interiors, build the seats, knows what has to go, then you know, you're know you spinning your wheels. You're going to sit on you know $20,000 worth of sewing machines for a long time without being yep. used. And you're going to lose your job. And she was, yep. you know. I think she got it. Anyway, what, what, the videos you I made years ago. Yeah, we made them. She's been over twenty years ago. Right. So, so it's you, funny. You, got, you look at the you look at the video, and I had I had brown hair, and <laughs> I looked about <laughs> twenty five years younger. Exactly was, right. Who is that guy? That's unfortunately, uh, what we're all destined for. It's I look at myself every day, and it's getting uglier by the minute. But um, looking back at those videos now. Are you still doing, what percentage of it are you still doing the same way you did then? 97%. Wow. 
we're still doing the same. There's a couple little things yeah. that we do differently now. Like I in the foam, I I cut a trough now for my salvage, my seam salvage. In the video, I didn't cut a trough. I just trimmed the the salvage off and glued it on top. Now I cut a I I cut a trough in my foams to to save the salvage. That blows me away that ninety seven percent is still the same. That's incredible. Same, it just goes through, and you're doing it the right way, obviously, way. from from day yeah. one. Is there anyone out? I mean, these guys all look up to you. They have you to call on, other guys to call on. Is there anyone out there that you've learned a ton from when you were coming up outside of, you said that you're kind of self-taught, but was there yeah, anyone there was else a, you could rely on outside of yourself? There anyone was a guy, Kenny Foster, and no, most people aren't going to know his name. He was a the hot rod guy in the Bay Area before I came along. He's about 80-something now, so... He was, he was my guy. He was okay. the guy I looked up to. And nice. he used to do a lot of work for Roy Brizio Street Rods, who we still do continue to do a ton of cars for Roy. And I kind of took over when he retired. And so we learned a little bit. We used to, you know, we'd get a car in that Roy had built and Kenny had upholstered and we'd have to, Roy would do something to it. We had to put new carpets in it or something. So we'd get the car. All we had to do was put new carpets in it, but we had that thing apart. We had panels off. We were looking at, but how do he do this? What do he do here? <laughs> so, That's awesome. You know, yeah, everybody. I mean, I heard again. I was listening to some of the podcast today, and I heard Tracy talking about it. You guys are talking about guys looking at your work and mm-hmm. seeing what other people are doing, and and I think it's great. We all we all do that. I do that. I'm I get struggling for an idea and I'm right on the computer looking at a bunch of cars and going, well, that's a cool line. I could probably change that a little bit. So it doesn't look like, you know, I copied so-and-so. So there's, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a lot of that going on and I think it's just fine. You know, I see a lot of stuff that looks like I look at it and I go, oh, that guy probably bought the video or, or has looked at a lot of my work. <laughs> but that being said, Maul, as you know, we do a lot of our stuff is traditional hot rod stuff. Yeah. We're not, I don't have a CNC machine. I don't have a CNC router. I don't have a, I don't have none of those things. Everything we do, we do by hand I know. I have equipment. We have band saws and table saws and, and hand routers and all that stuff. But, but we don't have any of the fancy, fancy stuff. stuff. I know. Hey, some of it just makes life easier and faster, but at the same time, you don't, you don't break, you don't fix what's not broken. Um, yeah, that, I, that's exactly the way I feel. And, and we have our niche, like I say, our traditional hot rod kind of, that's what we do. That's our thing. So it, it works good for us. And, and if I would, I want to make sure I mention I've, I've been fortunate to have wonderful employees over the years. I've had guys that have been with me. You know, I've had a guy now that's back with me, uh, Santana, Rich Santana and George Atkins, Mark Malapart, Mike Johnson, who's at uh, Canapa running their upholstery deal. I've been fortunate to have guys. Most of my guys have been with me 10, 12, 15, 20 years. They wow. stay. So I've been real fortunate to have great help because I, I haven't done all this by myself. Yeah, that's a great reflection on you too, keeping people that long, working well together, getting along together. It's, it's, that's impressive. Um, yeah. I read something somewhere that, uh, I don't know where it was, but it was a while ago that, and this is, this to me is industry fact. Everyone talks about hating doing convertible tops, but I read somewhere that you actually like it. I love any, convertible tops. All right. Any any <laughs> but, tips or advice you can share that maybe take some of the pain away from these guys and not hating it so much? <laughs> well, let me back up. I love convertible tops when we get to make them. I don't like installing a convertible top on a 
you know, 72 Impala. I've heard that before as well, yep. Yeah, that's not my deal. I like, I like cutting tops myself and making them. And they're really not as difficult as you think. That's what I kind of tell most guys. It's, it's upholstery. It's patterns. It's materials. You kind of just put it up there and, you know. I've, I've threatened to make a top video. I haven't done it yet, but I've, I've threatened to do one, so maybe I will. Well, man, not a bad idea. You know, if you could yeah. take some of that pain away from a lot of these guys and, you know, there's so many guys that are such, you know, proponents of, you know, measuring properly and your patterns have to be dialed in. And I know, you know, so many guys store every single pattern they ever made, so they don't have to do it again. So it's really about, is it about exactness? Is it about, you know, meth method when you're wrapping? What's, I think it, what's it's the key? Little, I think it's a little bit of his method. And, but mostly patterning, getting everything patterned correctly. Hmm. That's real important to me is, is everything's patterned correctly, especially on tops, convertibles. And the reason I say I don't like to do install a ready-made top is because I'm just that. If you think about it, same with all these kits that you buy for cars, the Camaro kits, the Mustang kits, all that stuff. You're going backwards. You have to make the seat fit the cover. Yeah. And same with the top. You have to make the car fit the convertible top. Right. Or if I'm if I'm making a top, I'm going to make the top fit the car. If one side's a quarter inch different than the other side, I can cut it that way and it'll fit yeah. like it's supposed to. So that's why I like I prefer making everything versus any type of kits. All right. Well, let's do a segment on the show that we pretty much do with everybody. Let's put Sid on the rapid fire hot seat. So mm -hmm. I'm going to rattle off a series of questions and just answer as quickly as you can. Um, okay. If you want to elaborate on some things, have some fun though that we can. All right, ready to go? Ready to go. All right, buddy. Favorite band? Favorite band? Whoa. Probably Clapton. Okay. Yeah. Are you a drive fast kind of guy or more of a cruiser? No, I'm fast. Okay. I'm, I'm in a guy. hurry all the time. Me too. I try to maximize <laughs> like every drive everywhere. The same one that you want to my wife. Again. She'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just got a nice fat ticket the other day. That was fun. Um, in the muscle car era, were you a Mustang guy, a Camaro guy? What was your favorite? Um, yeah, I had a Camaro. I, I built a 69 Camaro for my wife for her 30th birthday. Okay. But, uh, yeah, you know, I wasn't that, I've always kind of been a hot rod guy, to be honest with you. Hot rods more than anything. Yeah. Always All been right. a 32 Ford guy. Yep. And I got one more coming up for that. Let's give a couple more questions, but, um, right. your favorite Corvette body style. 58. 58 Roadster and then a, uh, the 63 split window. Yeah. I like the split window. I like the 67. Um, I even like the Makos. I always did. I don't know why. I yeah. just, I like the Makos. Yeah. I've just, to be honest with you, I've never been a Corvette guy to be. In. Mm. Yeah. I, I've, it's not my first choice. If, if I'm going to pick anything, I'm doing a, you know, Mustang fastback as far as muscle cars go. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. All right. Now get into your hot rods. We got a hot rod in front of us. A key element in any hot rod to me is the color combination. Do you have a particular favorite paint and interior color combination that if you had to roll with it one time to knock something out of the park or are you mixing it up? Yeah, I'm, I'm usually black. I paint, although the roadster I have right now is, is a kind of a dark green, but I'm usually black and I love like an ox blood or a brown or real pretty, you know, brown with a 
black exterior. Most things I, I've always painted black over the years. And the interior wise, what's your favorite color combo with the black? Yeah, the maroon, uh, ox blood. Ox blood. Ox blood yeah. or a brown. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're deviating from the black or the green, are you into. I, I like deep colors. I like cherry, like a deep, deep, deep cherry wine red. Yeah. Or, deep, but, or like a deep navy, but like that black cherry color. Deep maroon. Yeah. Like nice maroon. I really like a nice maroon. Yeah. And then too. I'm okay with the, you know, the competition orange and the yellow on some of the hot rods too. Yeah. I, I can never get into the, into the, the crazy the, colors. I'm more of a bright colors. Yeah. Boring, dark, dark colored guy. Me too. But mostly. I, yes. But yeah, I've had, you, I've had yellow, bright yellow roadster. And, yeah. Yeah. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. All right. Here's a fun one. Celebrity crush growing up. Oh boy. That's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I can't think of who is the, who's the poster. always like the number one. That, that's what I was going to say. Who's, who's the poster we always have? Was, I couldn't remember her name. Farrah Fawcett. There you go. <laughs> she never loses somehow. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 She's, she's been a, a primetime winner. Holly Berry's <laughs> been another one. Uh, Sharon Stone was a big one a couple of oh, okay. times yeah. on the answers. But um, all right. Ju- jumping back into work real quick. Uh, oh, there's one more, and this is my favorite one. I almost skipped it. I would have been really upset myself. If you could have dinner with anyone that you've never met, dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh, boy. That's a tough one. It is a tough one. Yeah. Holy you want to know why I asked it? Yeah. My, my 10-year-old asked it to me in the car two days ago on his way to his <laughs> baseball game. He knows who I would normally say. So he kept asking me for different ones. So as I was writing your interview, it stuck out in my head. He knows the one I'm going to pick is Magic Johnson because I was a Magic Johnson fan growing up. Uh, Huge. I thought I was going to be a professional basketball player, which is horrible, horribly uh, (laughs) incorrect. But um, you helped me with that answer. I think it would be probably be uh, Joe Montana. Okay. That's a great answer. Yeah. I was a I was a big 49er fan. We did some car events for halftime shows. I, I got accused of looking like Joe Montana at one of the <laughs> one of the events we were at. I don't think so, but anyway, so I just I just admired him, his work ethic and it, just the way he carried himself. Humble. Act like he'd been there act, before. Not all this act like he'd been nonsense. there before, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All like the guys did. that are quote unquote yeah. flexing and slinging Dancing arrows and, and yeah. I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I just I can't. can't. Do you have a particular leather vendor that you purchase I, from, or is your favorite? I, um, you know, it's going to upset some. I guess you don't have to I, divulge it if you don't. I don't want to get you in trouble. No, it won't get me in trouble. It's just going to, you know, a lot of guys have different people, but Garrett Leather has been really solid with me, and I'm I'm kind of one of those guys, Maul, that I I'm I'm loyal to a fault. If somebody's been good to me, the service has been good. The product's been good. Yeah. You know, I, I hang with them. You know, there's yeah. a, I, I get a lot of my stuff from the same people that I've gotten for forever, years, years and years and years. I just, it's just, like I say, I'm loyal to a fault almost. Yeah. My father would always say, I'm, I'm not selling someone down the road for a nickel. They've been too good to us. So exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. how about carpet? Where do you guys, where do you get your carpet? Um, most of the carpet I get from, we use a ton of square weave, you know, just seems to be with the traditional stuff that we do. We use a ton of the German square weave and I get most of it from veterans. 
Veterans Company. Yep. Yeah, Veterans in L.A. Yeah, they've been real good. I get a lot of things from them. They've been good to us. Okay. Yeah. I have a question from the audience. This was my favorite one. Here's a question from Grips Stitches in New Jersey. Coincidence. Do you still make mistakes? If so, do you still need to get creative with the fix and maybe do something you wouldn't have originally considered? Yes and yes. And a comment we use around the shop all the time, a good trimmer can get himself out of anything. Nice. <laughs> yeah, you there's, you know, unlike, you know, we, we talk about the body guys, unlike a guy puts a little scratch in the paint, you can usually, you know, blow a little paint back on it, rub it back out, fix it. You you screw something up in the middle of a seat or leather or something, you, you better be pretty creative to figure that out. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we still make mistakes and need to figure out how to fix it. If you yep, know absolutely. you need four hides for a job, like four hides are going to do it of a little extra. Do you order an extra hide so you have it or do you just order what you need? Nah, most of the time we're, we order a little fat, I call it. Yeah. If I think I need four, I get four and a half or five. Okay. You know, in the big picture, same thing I tell everybody, you know, labor's the, even tell the clients that the labor's the big deal, you know, the, the, 85% of the cost of this job is labor. Mm -hmm. So let's don't, uh, uh, two things I tell guys too is uh, the clients is let's don't skip, skimp on materials. Let's don't use inferior products just yeah. to try to save a couple hundred bucks because, you know, labor is the big deal. You don't want to pay me all this leather to put not, you know, garbage material in there. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Any, who, who, for your foams and things like that, who do you, who do you guys use? Local guys or you order it yeah, in? Local Keiston, Keiston okay. Brothers. They got a place now. You you know we dealt with the one in Santa Clara when we were up there, and now they have one in San Diego. So I, we get our our foam and scrim and glue and staples and thread and bobbins and all that stuff most of the time Keystone from Keiston. Same thing. Loyal to a fault. I've been dealing with them. My dad was dealing with them when they were making the motorcycle seat covers. Wow. In the sixties. So we've been dealing with Keiston for a long. That's long awesome. Time. I love that. So, love yeah, hearing that. They've been good to us. So. We, we stay with them. Yeah. yeah. All right. What advice would you give today's auto interior specialist that maybe has his, I don't know, his or her sights set on becoming relevant and maybe even one of the best? What would you tell them? Just stay after it, head down and, and stay after it. You know, keep, keep trying to get better, trying to get better, ask questions, look at other people's work. That's the biggest thing is I think is, is, get as much knowledge from everybody you can, you know, anybody's willing to talk to you, be a sponge, just absorb as much of it as you can and try and drag in. You know, we, there's many times we've tried, you know, a specific way to do something and, and it doesn't work. You throw it in a trash can, start again, try again and figure something out, figure something out. Yeah. And there's more and more places to learn nowadays, you know, so Yes. You guys didn't have YouTube. You didn't have phone call guys to call on Instagram and everything else. So you, you had to figure it the hell out. And I think we need to go back to a little bit of figure it out first, then go and ask for help and then go take all these tutorials and these classes. You can't just take the classes and expect to be an expert. You're going to have to fail. You're going to have to try. You're going to have to, you know. Yeah, I think you, I agree with you. Well, I think you need to see, you know, what you can do, figure it out, do a, you know, do a little bit to start with and figure out what you're doing. Yeah. All right, Sid, read me in on this because I'm not well-versed in it, but I read up on it on your website the other day. You manufacture, and I know you wouldn't give yourself a shameless plug, so I'm going to do it for you. You manufacture 
convertible top windows? Yes, we we also we started making a top for thirty two Ford Roadsters, and we produced the window for the it. It's a little four by twenty chrome frame glass back window. Well, LeBaron and Bonnie used to make all the windows for convertible tops, all the glass framed windows in different sizes. They have since gone out of business, so we've started making the convertible top windows. So if anybody's you know looking for a top window for an old convertible, uh, we we do them. Oh wow, that's great. Yeah. All right. And one other thing that I know is highly prestigious is the award you guys do at the Grand National Roadster Show. I mean, this is your award, you know, you selected and, you know, everybody wants, would love to be picked for that. Tell everyone how to get involved with it. Tell us what it's about. I'll give you the floor on that so I don't fumble it. No problem. It Back in 2015, I approached the, the producer of the show, uh, John Buck, and it's kind of <laughs> self-gratifying or whatever. I, I wanted to do it because trim guys just don't seem to get the recognition. Yep. You know, all the, the, the nothing against the body guy, but the paint guys always get it, the plugs and all that. So there's not much for the trim guys. So I wanted to do something for the, for the interior guy. So I asked him if I could give an award and he said, absolutely, Sid. So I, I build the trophy. It's, it's a 1940s old singer toy sewing machine that I take apart, have my buddy, custom paint we chrome plate all the pieces put it on a base it's called the stitch of excellence award yep and it's given to an interior that just just excites me i it's it's no way the best interior at that show because i don't i don't know who could pick the best one there there's so many wonderful interiors so it's just something that excites me i try to give it to a guy that's there at the show so i can personally give it to him and i try to you know, the younger guys and give every spread it around. You know, there's been some great shops in the area that I could probably give the trophy to every year, yeah. but that's not the idea of it. It's, and it's, again, I, I build this trophy and I, it goes to the, the guy, not the car owner. I also make a plaque. So we, so we don't want to discourage the car owner because they spend all the money to let us do our thing. So yeah. if the car owner gets a plaque, but the very nice sewing machine trophy goes to the actual trim guy. Love that. See, you said it a lot better than I could have. That's for sure. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I kind of want to close with this psychology wise, even, you know, as we get older, you know, you get recognized less and less, you know, you're no longer a kid. We all still want to feel wanted and appreciated. Right. Um, well, I see an entire industry of people looking up to you, continuing to learn from you and honoring you every day. I got to tell you, Sid, that's a lot to be proud of. Um, and I just want to thank you probably for everybody. And also thank you for coming on with me. Ah, oh, thank you very much. And that, that was wonderful. Enjoyed it very much. Well, I'm so glad. You. My next question was, I hope you liked it. Did you like yeah, it? Yeah, very much. All right. Very good. Much. I'm glad. Thanks for listening in today, everybody. If you learned something new and liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe for more NC Shop Talk. Do me a favor and help us grow this sucker. Share this show on your social media feeds and with anyone else who'd love to hear it. Thanks for giving us a listen. And until next time, remember to get out there and make it happen.